Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. What's going on with you these days? Who are you hanging around with? Who's who's making you laugh? Who's inspiring you? Who's like getting under your skin but in a way that's kind of motivating? What emails are you opening up first? I always think this is an interesting gauge of like my priorities or what's inspiring me lately. Like for sure, if I see an email from my husband, I open that up. For sure my agent, husband, agent. That seems about right. I don't know, relatives, good buddies. I always open up those first. I'll tell you what I don't open up first is like sales or generic emails. I mean, they're just sort of like inbox fillers, aren't they? Are you one of those people that need to have your inbox at zero all the time? Well, I'm for sure not that person. I have 1500 unread emails somewhere in my inbox. But ever since I was chatting with my buddy, uh, Jesse Gabe, a uh, comedy writer extraordinaire, and she was like, how can you live like that? How can you live with the little number on your phone telling you you've got emails to read? And here's the answer, you get used to it. It's sort of like, you know, if you walk around with like a pebble in your shoe, then you're gonna get used to it. Uh, but I try, as soon as it goes above 1500, I'm like, I can't, I can't take that. <laughs> That's my cutoff is 1500. And my other question for you is, where do you turn for inspiration? How do you know the direction you need to take creatively? You know, we all spin a lot of plates, especially now where you can make a movie with your phone. But like there's a lot of creative plate spinning. So you can wake up in the morning and depending on what moves you, you could write, you could record, you could draw, you could paint, you could create music, you could do so many things. How do you know where to put your creative focus? And I think for me, I, I go to my gut. In the morning, I'll sort of look at my needs and my wants, right? So I need to write these emails. I need to address this draft of a pitch or draft of a script. I need to reach out to this person. And then I go, okay, now what's my want? And maybe my want is to like sew or I don't know, create visual art. There's so many options and gosh, I'm, I'm so entirely privileged that I can be in a place of having these kind of options. And I will also say one sometimes leaps into the other. So if I'm feeling like really creatively charged, that sometimes leads into being able to do the things that I don't necessarily love doing, but I have to do. And here's something else I just discovered recently is the importance of changing your air. Does that make sense? Like changing your environment. Like if you're in an environment that you feel like you're just turning around in circles and not getting anything done, shake it up. Sometimes just going for a walk and shaking it up helps so much. Today I walked all around the CNE area in Toronto, Canada and uh, you know, saw corners that I've never seen in Toronto. I've known Toronto for years and years and years. And here's a whole bunch of corners I've never even known existed. So, and development, Toronto's like off the charts with their development and, and traffic, don't get me started. Anywho, I would love to hear what you do to shake it up for yourself creatively. Firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Drop me a line or drop me a couple of words over on our Twitter or Instagram at firecrackerdept. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what's, uh, what's getting you out of bed in the morning. And you know, what emails are you opening up first? Okay, our guest this week is award-winning actor, writer, producer, fantastic person, snazzy dresser, funny and kind, Anuka Okuma. Now, Anuka is one of those people, and you know, you know you have those friends that you haven't seen for a while, but then when you see them, it's like no time has passed. That's just Anuka for me. I feel like our paths cross just at the right time where I need a little dose of Anuka. And she always says something that just resonates with me. You know, I'll see her in Los Angeles or in Vancouver where we first met. 
and uh, you know talking about projects and then having an hour to speak with Anuka and just like really just soak her in was just a treat. I mean, I don't know if we've ever had that time, but every time we see each other, we're like, we need more time. So here, we got it. I first met Anuka in Vancouver and I remember hearing about Anuka before I met her and hearing that she was this amazing actor and I'd see her work on various stages around Vancouver and always be like, who is she? She's fantastic. And then she moved to Los Angeles and I moved to Los Angeles. And then every once in a while our paths would cross and I'd just be better off for it. Anuka is an actress and filmmaker for over 25 years. 25 years with over 65 credits to her name and you know, more to come, of course. She has five Gemini and Canadian Screen Award nominations and Anuka has guest starred in Showtime's Masters of Sex, ABC's How to Get Away with Murder, I love that show, and ABC's Grey's Anatomy. Anuka recently starred in the Netflix feature film The Sleepover and was a series regular on Impulse, one of the first scripted dramas for YouTube that is produced and directed by Doug Lyman, who directed The Born Identity. What? Yes, that Doug Lyman. You probably recognize Anuka from her series regular role, Tracy Nash, on CBC and Global's long-running police drama, Rookie Blue. She was so good in that. And speaking of Rookie Blue, did you know that Anuka co-wrote with Adriana Maggs a six-season episode of the show? Did you know that? Amazing, right? We get into that in our discussion. And currently, Anuka is a writer on Netflix and CBC's smash hit, Workin' Moms, and she is also starring as Sloane Mitchell. This is a great discussion for folks that are like, how do I get into writing? What does it take? Anuka gets into all that stuff. I just, I just love that she's getting into writer's rooms. I think it's fantastic. Now, Cookie is a short film written, directed, and produced by Anuka and starring Jennifer Finnegan from Moonshine and Jonathan Silverman from Weekend at Bernie's. Cookie premiered at the Newport Beach Film Festival and then went on to conquering the world by screening in over 20 film festivals. She's also producing and starring as Annabelle in the short film Woman Meets Girl, set for 2022. I mean, Anuka doesn't slow down. And also, here's another thing, another project for 2022 is Out Comes the Wolves, a feature written by Anuka. I mean, that's a lot. She's just incredible. You're gonna find out because you're gonna listen to this chat and you're gonna be like, Naomi, she's incredible. And I'll be like, I know, I told you so. All right, this is my chat with Anuka Okuma. So great. You're all, you're one of those people that it doesn't sort of like time can happen in between, but as soon as we see each other, it's like, it's the yeah. early 2000s and we're drinking somewhere together. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. This has been a long time coming, Anuka. I honestly, like, I remember when we started this podcast and I was like, where is she? Like, I remember seeing you at a party or something like that, maybe in Los Angeles. And then I saw you in that short film that um, Paula did. I'm not your mommy on uh, Real Women's Network. Anyway, so I've been waiting for this moment all my life, really. Who's kidding? <laughs> I feel like you and I met, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did we meet in Vancouver? Like when we used to do the the play readings and things like that? At yeah. The... This is the thing with me is that I don't remember meeting a lot of people I just people are just in okay. my life so I don't remember yes. meeting you I just remember we spent yes. a lot of time together <laughs> yeah no? I think because there was like readings going on but that community in Vancouver became real insular real quick for a while I think yeah. we just really everybody was in a groove of creating stuff 
and doing play readings. And there was like the um, script reading series that they did. Wow. And so all that stuff was so, so exciting. Do you miss Vancouver? I do. I do. You know, my family is still there and my ride or die besties are there. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I usually make it back once a year, which is not good enough when it comes down to it. I'm usually home for Christmas. Yeah. Funnily enough, a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start going back. I got to go back at least yeah. twice a year now. Let, let's try more of this. And as soon as I made that decision, the pandemic hit. Right. So Clever. It, I was going to go back in April, but in March, mm -hmm. I was told I can't go anywhere. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't even know how long you've been in Los Angeles. Uh, moved here 2006. Okay. Okay. So you're like entrenched there now that's your world yeah, i can i yeah. can call myself an angelino now i think uh okay. reading somewhere like after six years you are and i'm well past six years yeah. now so does it suit you yeah i mean when i <laughs> when i was a kid i used to you can ask my sisters this i used to we're talking four or five years old i would uh, take off down the street and tell my family i was going to california <laughs> no kidding I think at the time I just knew Disneyland was there. So that right. was, <laughs> I think that that's, <laughs> I mean, your career could have gone two different ways. You could be like a mascot at Disneyland, or you could be a fabulous established <laughs> actor. So it's really, it's really great the way things have turned out for you. But there was something imprinted in there from just yeah. childhood that this is where I wanted to be. And I do love it. I mean, the weather is ridiculous, but mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I just, I like the idea of being closer to my dreams. That's kind of mm -hmm. the story I've been telling myself for a long time. But I, I do have to say the cities that I love, Toronto and Vancouver, have changed so much over the years mm -hmm. and they're both so appealing to me. <laughs> You know, in the first four months of this year, my husband and I were home with my parents because there's no reason there was no work. There was nothing to. So yeah. I ended up staying in my, the house I grew up in for a while. And it no was kidding. like, oh my God, this is a great town. This is a great. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like when I was a teenager, I do I know what you mean. Out, but as soon as I was there, now as an adult, I'm like, God, this is a great place to raise your family. And yeah, things have changed in my mind. About yeah, well, I mean, I'm curious about that because I, I think a lot about that too. You know, after I don't I don't know when the big pivot changed for me, but like when you talk about like your dreams are closer when you're living in Los Angeles, like have your dreams altered since the days you used to walk away from the house going, I'm going to Hollywood yeah. or California? <laughs> they have and they haven't because I'm still striving for that pinnacle of career. Yeah. I haven't reached it yet as far as I'm concerned. Yet I know I am incredibly lucky and that I am I've been prolific. I have worked every no year since I started. I have to say I, I'm so glad you said that because I wanted to say like from the outset it feels like you haven't stopped working and sometimes actors are like oh no I have stopped. <laughs> but like I really do feel like you have had momentum since like I mean the MacGyver days. The Right, my first, first, wow. first. Game. I know things like the Anuka at MacGyver versus Anuka now. 
when you've got like a kickstarting program of your own show that you're producing. Like talk to me about the transition of those dreams. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal in Vancouver when I started, what really worked in my favor is there really weren't a lot of Black actors. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the American shows would come up and they would want to kind of diversify the portfolio a little bit in terms of the cast members. And I ended up working quite a bit. And uh, and I'm so thankful and grateful for for that and then even Canadian series like I just kind of jumped in and there mm-hmm. I was uh, so I managed to rack up a pretty good resume and then moving down here it was like wow things have been going so well in in Canada well shouldn't they right. just translate to- <laughs> didn't happen that way in the states so there was a lot of you know I've done a lot of pilots that didn't end up taking off and then I would end up back in Canada doing something and right. like, thank God for Canada because I continue to work because I have established myself uh, in Canada in a way that I haven't in the States. So here I am in the U.S. still climbing up that ladder. But yeah. I would say right around 2008, the writer's strike happened here in L.A. Yeah. And there was no work. Yeah. And that's when I really started thinking about writing. That was the first time I kind of went, well, you know, I went to Simon Fraser University and their whole uh-huh. mandate was if there's no work, create it. So it, it was ingrained in me and from theater school, but I kind of didn't have to do it for a uh-huh. while because uh-huh. I was working a lot. And as soon as that break happened and I found myself with like just nothing to do, I started writing and, and started to love it. And then just over the years, taking courses and really kind of at this point now going, okay, maybe acting I like acting is my first love I will always do it mm-hmm. but there's a little bit more I don't want to stay control because that's you never have control but there's a way to kind of guide your career as a writer as a person creating content that mm-hmm. is not the same as hoping someone gives you an audition hoping you get right. an audition it's very different yeah yeah first of all when you talk about the pinnacle can I just go back to that for a second because sure. This is my fear. Yeah. Like A, what is the pinnacle? And B, what happens if you get to the pinnacle? And it's like, all right, where, where that's next? Like what happens? You know what I mean? Like, what is the pinnacle for you? What is the pinnacle? God, you know, I would love to be in a position where people are aware of my abilities, like my strengths, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they call me up and want to work with me because they know I can deliver. I'd like to be running things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love to yes, be please. Yes. the executive producer, the writer, the star, I, yeah. I, the director. Like I, I want to be helm stories. I want to tell stories from my perspective and I want to get paid for it. <laughs> Plain and simple, you know, like the work first. Not so much to ask. No, not so much. Plenty <laughs> of people have done it. Why mm-hmm. not me? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, has that changed that, that pinnacle idea, like from, from the early days, like, was that something that you always wanted to do, like create, produce and write and do your own thing? Or were you just like, I just want to be in the movies. You know, I think that I had initially just wanted to be an A-list actress. That's kind of all I wanted, but also in the back of my mind, it was like, and one day maybe I'll write and produce and direct after I've been acting for so long and there's nothing else to do. But funnily (laughs) enough, when I get bored, when I get bored of being like on top, right? Celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't possibly take another lead. I'm going to work now. (laughs) But at this point, yeah, I think one day is here and one day doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. 
but yeah. I, it doesn't change the fact that the time is now. And I have the urge. That's really what it is. Yeah. And it's keeping the whole thing fresh because there's a minute in time there as an actor where you just, you know, when you're getting the same types of roles or the same, just doesn't feel exciting anymore. I thought I forgot to act, you know, like it just didn't feel natural. Didn't feel right. Does that happen to you? Well, I mean, I'm so glad you say stuff like that because I remember somebody saying to me that they were, they were on a series and they were like, just going to the bank, just yeah. working at the bank right now. And I was like, no, how can that possibly be? But there is a rhythm of it that unless you, I don't know, put a pebble in your shoe to keep you off centered a little bit, it can get a little bit same old, same old. Did did you find that like early on before you started writing? It was in the middle of Rookie Blue or towards the end Uh of Rookie Blue where the character had become um, a detective and they had to spread the storylines around, right? So there was a certain point in time where my character was doing nothing but delivering procedural language. Oh God. Oh God. God bless you. Makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Exactly. It's so difficult. And I commend those actors who play lawyers and doctors and they're they're like coughing up this mumbo jumbo that's really difficult because there's no emotional connection to it. Yeah, it's just info. It's like, it's like your character could just walk in and go, excuse me, everybody, a lot of information. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> very, it. very hard, especially when, because there are some actors too that are really great at the highly emotional stuff, but they're uh-huh. not great at pass assault. Like, yes. there's, you yes. know what I mean? Like, it's very yes. difficult to connect. And I, you know, I'd like to think I can do both, but when you've been doing nothing but the information, it's trying on your ego. It's trying on your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I took an acting class at that moment in time. I was like, I can't, I gotta get I love myself it. out of this. So I, yeah. I started uh, classes again and it, and it helped. Yeah. What did you find that it reignited for you when you took acting classes? I'm taking acting right now and I, I don't think I'd be surviving the pandemic with the, the acting classes. Yeah. What did it do for you? Just kind of what I was already mentioning, which was re- remembering that there is an emotional component. Even if you are saying pass assault, there is, there is, make it up. If it's not on the page, make it up, find it for yourself so that it becomes alive for you. Great. You know what? Also, it was, you know, when you're on set, you, if the take, the scenes are usually a page and a half at the most, and Mm -hmm. you screw up a line, you can sort of pause and start again. But in this acting class, it was scene study. And it was like at least 12 to 15 pages. Right. <laughs> right. You know, you're up Whole there other brain. on stage. It's a whole other brain. It's another stamina, physical stamina. Uh-huh. And so it just kind of was like, oh, yeah, this is hard work. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. reminding we get We get lazy, right? We get complacent and lazy with the, oh, this is a scene and a half. I'm going to look at it on my way to set because it's really, <laughs> Right. But then you get like a 17 page scene that you're doing for class. You're like, hold on a second. I have a journey. Yeah. And why can't I put that 17 pages into my three pages? But sometimes that doesn't work either. Sometimes you can over for myself anyway. Oh, yeah. Like overworking. (laughs) Over past the salt. Something must have happened. Stay tuned for her spinoff. When I was trying to sort of reinvigorate myself uh, during Rookie, I just remember thinking, my God, my poor like partners, scene partners here, my cast members, because I'd be in my trailer doing my roll downs and my Shakespeare and my like just trying (laughs) to like shake it up. And I just thought, oh my God, these poor people. Peter Mooney, he 
like my trailer I'm just, I was like after a while Peter just wasn't in his trailer very much I was like well what is- oh it's me it's me <laughs> he's avoiding you there's like a knock on your door. I can hear you Peter I can hear you in there he's so sweet he never would have said anything but I know that I was like I probably pushed him out of there <laughs> I love what you're talking about with stamina because I don't think people recognize that. Like, I think we think of the stamina in the business and the hustle, but mm-hmm. we don't think of stamina as an artist. No. Oh, God, no. I just recently started with the pandemic. I started uh, working out a lot more and yeah. I didn't realize how it was affecting my acting because once I started exercising, I was like, oh. Oh, I actually can, I just have a strength to embody roles with that I didn't have before. Yeah. I, you know, I had in the past, but I got, you know, I got lazy and sure. <laughs> Netflix craft table is right there. My friend, I get it. I get it. It's so funny because why would we as artists think that we can just arrive and play? as opposed to the exercise that it takes, the stamina that we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. there's no other profession. Like, there's not a doctor that would be like, you know, I haven't done surgery for a while, but I'm going to I'm gonna give it a shot today. I feel like I could probably dust off the old scalpel. Like, I think, you know what I mean? Why do we, why do we think that way? I think we can fall into the trap that the people who are not actors fall into, which is that we're just like being up there. We're just, uh, we're just talking. We're just being a part. You're just being yourself. So it feels like you don't have to prepare to be yourself. Right. No. Whereas it's a lot of work to be me. It's so much artifice to make it. Especially this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get it now. So wait, so tell me, is that when you started writing on rookie blue? Cause you co-wrote an episode, which I had no idea the length that you've been writing. I always knew that you had writing as a passion and as a skill but is that when you started on rookie blue that's when I officially got paid for something nice. yes. <laughs> when I started started it's actually prior to this 2008 writer strike thing it was actually remember our old friend uh Mike Norby oh my so, gosh who can forget Mike Norby <laughs> star of Norby. being Erica Ah, oh, Norby, love him yeah. so he um so back in those days when we were doing like the cold reading series and all that he had written sort of a, a sketch of an idea about this this film about these four porn stars who get who are like fed, of course it's northy so he gets, <laughs> these four poor female porn stars who get fed up because they're they're overworked and underpaid oh. <laughs> and they kidnap their sort of boss uh, but find out that they've got the wrong guy so it's a whole sort of madcap oh. story. And he, you know, his writing was so, it was just so funny. And I just remember thinking there's something here, but I didn't know anything about writing back then. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, Northy, can I, do you think I, and he was like, sure, have at it. So I, I optioned the story from him, but I was too, at that time I wasn't focused enough. So I like sort of start writing and then I go off and do something else. And so I never ended up doing that to fruition but it was the thing that sparked it so yeah so then I and I wrote and directed a short film in 2010 and it went in like about 20 over 20 film festivals so and then I the rookie blue webisodes I also directed Ben Bass that's amazing can you tell me about the discussion that you had with the producers of like I want to write and direct it started off with me just hanging out Oh, Anuka's here. Anuka's <laughs> <So I just, laughs> oh, here again. <laughs> wow, hi. We've got your favorite. 
No, I ended up uh, just hanging out and asking a lot of questions. And I've been on sets for over 30 years at this point. So I realized the best education is right there while you're while you're working. So hanging around the monitors and I just started being really quite interested and they were gracious enough to sort of let me in the room. And then I told them that I wanted to write and there was much kind of deliberation about it. I said, should I write a spec script? And they said, no, no, we're not going to make you jump through any hoops. Like, no, no, like Mm -hmm. if we get another season. And then we got another season. And then I was like, can I write? Can I write? Can I write? Right. And they, again, they were like, well, no, I, I don't think that. that, that, that. And there, so there was a lot of hesitation and I basically yeah. got the answer no, but yeah. I was really bummed out about it. What I realized is that they hadn't seen anything I had done when it came they to They were just saying no. They were saying no, because here yeah. comes an actress who wants to write and with nothing to show for it. They're like, mm-hmm. we love her, but to me, they just ha- didn't have enough proof. And so yeah. I was upset. <laughs> so what yeah. I did was I wrote a spec script, even though they told me not to, I wrote a spec script and I submitted it to them as my favorite show at the time, Mad Men. And I sent it to them and I just wanted them to know I could write. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting anything out of it. I just didn't want Ballsy. them to think that I was full of vanity. So I mm-hmm. sent them the script and uh, they liked it a lot. <laughs> and they ended up like it sort of it went to an assistant and it got passed up and it got passed up again. And they invited me to to write with them. So I was glad that I made the move. I honestly did not make it to get a job. I just didn't want them to think that I was a fool who just kind of thought she could write. I wanted them to right. know I could write. <laughs> yeah. Where's that confidence from? Like, that's like blind confidence because nobody else before had said you can write. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who were your cheerleaders that were like, step in? Who was the person at Rookie Blue that was like, all right, we're going to give you a shot. I'll read this. It's kind of like a, a threefold group here, but Noelle Carbone, she was um, a writer on the show, but she was a lower level writer on that show. She's since been showrunning things. But at that time, she was the first one to read the script. And then she sent it up to Sherry White. And Sherry sent it to Tassie, who right. was running the show. And so that that's how it ended up happening. But Sherry has been my champion for, for many, many years. She was she was mm-hmm. always like, I love it when actors write. You guys have a different kind of voice and yeah. so connected to character and just keep going, just keep co- going. And she set up a meeting for me with my current agent, my lit agent. Wow. So yeah. yeah, just mentors. My curiosity is like, when we don't have anything other than our heart as proof, you know, like even when we were acting for the big, at the beginning, like I didn't know if I had any talent, who was, who was I to think that I could do this job. So as a writer to go forward to a successful TV show and go, no, I'm, I'm, you should see what I'm writing. I'm good. Well, you have to also understand that there was Greg Smith who was, mm-hmm. um, you know, my colleague and good friend, good guy, but he was directing on Rookie Blue and he had never directed before. Right. But he wanted to. I know. So I was sort of kind of like, well, if he can do it. <laughs> I get it. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. And, and I think that I, I've since then read a book called How Women Rise. Funnily enough, my husband gave it to me. Women are the what will always say, I've got to get, I've got to know everything that there I, is to know. Mm-hmm. I've got to talk to everybody I need to talk to. I've got to plan, 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 prepare, prepare before I, I have to feel ready. If I am even considered to do the next level, whatever it is that you want to do. But men are like, yeah, I could probably be done. 
I could probably do that. I could probably figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I think just, Hillary Clinton talks about that in her book too, that the women are like asking permission or like, I want to make sure that everything is ready before I go in, as opposed to dudes that are just like, well, I'll just try it. Yeah. But I mean, uh, to our credit, I mean, we are, I feel criticized and speculated upon so much more in positions mm-hmm. where, you know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's just like, there's mm-hmm. way more expected of you. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so we want to get it right. But I think that that yeah. can definitely hold you back. And so there, I've had flashes of that. It's not there all the time, but that was certainly a moment of like, no, I know I can do this. I mean, I think I can, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I can do this. So let me just try. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They said no at the beginning. They could say no again, but it's still the same answer. So just, just jump in. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for that. I'm all for trying stuff. I remember talking to a female director about this and they said that sometimes female directors get opportunities when they're, when they're not ready and then they pooch it. So it gives like, you know, it sort of shows like a place where as opposed to mentoring or as opposed to saying, Hey, you direct it, but you've got like these people in your corner that have experience if you need any help. Like, I think that we need to, I don't know, kick people out of the nest with some security. It's this weird transitional phase that we're in because it's the diversity conversation is we're, we're certainly bringing in more people of color into positions of power, but the complaint from the old white guys is that they don't have the experience. We don't have the experience, but you cannot right. get that experience right. uh, and if you're not given the opportunity. But right now what's happening is a lot of fast tracking. It's good but it's hard to throw somebody into this position of power. Sure. They haven't had the time to build up to it. So it's this weird, like, how do we figure out how to bring people up? And yeah, it's, it's, it is like a speed thing. Like people are suddenly like, oh man, we should have done this like 50 years ago. Well, let's do it all in two years and try to catch up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in the process, I just feel quite frustrated because of, of that very same thing I just mentioned, which is like, well, they're yeah. here, but they can't do it. They can't do it. So I uh, guess we got to go back to us old white guys. You know? Right. know, what do you think the answers are? Like, how do you think we can get to a point that we're setting people up for success? I think that there has to be an understanding of exactly what we've both just said that there hasn't been the time. It doesn't mean that the opportunities should not be there, but there hasn't been the time for many people to hone their craft. Listen, here's the other thing. There are people who have been doing this for a, a minute and aren't been, yes. you know what I mean? So it's like, yes. let's find those. That just, yeah. That just haven't had the opportunity. They're there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what the answer is. I just think continually talking about it will surface the answer. What have you found for your journey? Like when you've been in over your head a little bit, what's been your recipe? I have often been told no (laughs) about many things, right? (laughs) Right. And I've sort of developed, I, you know, I would think I've developed a thick skin, but I'm still a a highly emotional person. So it's not, it's still, it's still hard, but I know, you know what I mean? Like it's, we're such, I mean, it's my ego. I know for sure, but it's also because we care. Like if I didn't care about my career, it wouldn't phase me, Mm -hmm. but it does because I I love what we get to do. I want to do it all the time. I am very sensitive, but I also realize that is the thing that makes me be able to act. The yeah. fact that I'm so sensitive. And so I used to think of it as a, as a weakness, but it's not, it's actually a pretty mm-hmm. good strength to be so sort of in touch with how it feels <laughs> to mm-hmm. be hurt. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I love that discussion too. Like when you talk about being sensitive and that's your, your key to your, you know, one of the best things about you as an artist, what are the things do you think you possess that help your career? Like maybe there are challenges, but then if you turn them this way and that way, it actually serves you really well. Oh, that's a good question. It's funny. We don't think enough about the good things about us. I think about the things that I need to improve upon. But sometimes that's the good thing. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's in, in terms of the sensitivity, that's certainly the case. But I don't know. I used to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. I'm not anymore. I think that's serving me very well. <laughs> and I do think that that's largely because of tr- of the pivot of trying to not compare myself to other actors anymore and I think that's that's a fair observation I think uh you know this business is challenging and being competitive is sometimes debilitating listen I'm human so there are certain (laughs) sort of uh benchmark people or benchmark careers sure that I'm like oh come on if only right you know but don't you think that's gonna go on forever the shift of realizing that there's something for you out there as opposed, mm-hmm. and there's enough for everyone that there is actual abundance for all of us. That that's the shift that happened for me a few years ago. And I realized, Oh, okay. Like I didn't get that role, but that was mm-hmm. meant for so-and-so and she has flourished and right. good for her. And, you know, like it's uh it's uh, mental gymnastics, but I can get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always found you funny and comical but you've been going in the the vein of drama and then suddenly you're doing work and mums so you're like oh actually I'm gonna do comedy too so you're just putting another thing in your tool belt what was well, that like for your well let me tell you I did not think that I could do comedy like I I mean this is a lie I knew I could do comedy I'd never been given yeah. the chance and then once I was given the chance I was scared shitless okay so okay it was like oh god here we go and for me it was um just trying to figure out the tone because yeah. I, what I love about comedy, my favorite comedy is stuff that is like ridiculous things are happening, but it's playing in the, like for, for real, the real. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love like it. honestly, in like what? give me an example um, of like comedy that you love. Uh, of comedy that I love. I loved Arrested Development. Like just yeah, okay, give it. Okay, now I know exactly the page you're on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like just how to Jason Bateman. Ugh. And I do think at let's take Bateman as an example. I do think a, a strong actor should and could be able to do both because if you're playing whatever you're playing realistically, you know, for the truth, it's gonna be funny yeah. if it's meant to be funny, if it's gonna be heartbreaking, if it's meant to be heartbreaking. So so yeah, so to be able to do that would be is it was sort of like what I hoped I'd be able to do. But once I was faced with the mm-hmm. challenge, I was, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but what was great was seeing it come together. I mean, obviously editing is magic too, but I was like, oh, it doesn't look as crazy as it felt inside, you know? And now I want yeah. more of it. Now I want to do, yeah. like, I want to try. And that was a challenge. And that was what was so exciting about doing Working Moms. Um, it was a job mm-hmm. that came during the pandemic when I thought I wasn't going to work. So I got to go mm-hmm. home to Canada and I, and mm-hmm. I got to be on this great show. That's a huge hit. And so, yeah, it was just like, it's turned into such a great gig for me yeah what does your makeup do when you're faced with challenges when you're like oh I'm scared or like what does your makeup do when you're in in faced with something that scares you 
are you like retreat assess or are you like no just dive in find out if the water is hot or cold when I'm in I think what happens to me is a lot of denial that I'm actually scared (laughs) I think initially I'm scared but then I sort of like shove that down and Mm -hmm. uh, you know like as the Brits say like you just get on with it and then somewhere in there I acknowledge that I'm freaking out while it's happening but the train has already left the station and I just have to keep going to save face but I'm dying inside what's great is I have a great sounding board in my husband and my partner and Mm -hmm just kind of like, I think I just end up talking a lot about it in my safe spaces with him, with mm-hmm. my best friends, with my family, like anybody who knows me says, how you doing? I will tell them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have to choose those, that audience, right? You can't just go around going, Hey everybody, just so you know, Hey, put the boom down. I'm really scared right now. You don't need to talk to the whole crew, but your partners, your friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then what I love is like sort of when it's all done and dusted segue, I joined the writing staff uh in the last season awesome yeah yeah so um so once I you know started talking to them about how I was freaking out in the year prior they were like we had no idea what are you talking about so it's sort of I need to be reaffirmed that (laughs) that uh, even though I've seen it and I'm like oh it's not so bad but wait a minute did you guys see that I was freaking out did you guys (laughs) (laughs) that's right if you didn't see it then I wasn't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, let me just do a little full circle then, because I want a story from like one of your first credits, which was on MacGyver. Like, do you remember the feeling of like booking that? Because I feel like it's such a fun thing to go back and be like, like, I think one of my first credits was The Immortal. Do you remember that show in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah. And, and I had, and it was, I played the part of a crazy person in an insane asylum. And so I decided that I would give part of my lines to a sock puppet so for the audition I came in with a sock puppet and I remember going in and my husband at the time my ex-husband was like I don't think I think that's kind of gimmicky it's kind of silly and I'm like I I feel like it might be really fun so I did it and I booked and they're like bring the sock they were like so all about the sock but like going back there and thinking like my little wagon my little trailer was heaven I sat yeah. on the steps and feeling so like home. Do you remember the story for you and MacGyver? Right before MacGyver. So my very actual, very first thing was like um, okay. an industrial. Do you know the yes, industrial? Of it was called Yes, I Can. It was a kid's kind of choose your own adventure interactive video yeah. thing. So I was the host of this, these sort of kids. They'd have to make choices. Should I throw these eggs at the uh, this garage really? or should this I? This is like 14 for you, right? This is when you started. Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but it was a teen sort of situation. And um, so, yeah, so that was the very first thing I did. The, and I was the host of it. So I was this sort of like running everything. But it was a very quiet, very small non-union situation. And then my first real gig was MacGyver. And I remember I had to sort of leave school and go to this audition and my dad dropped me off. My mom picked me up. Like it was this whole orchestrated mm-hmm. family event. And um, it wasn't too much of a stretch. It was a kid at a science fair. And, you know, I was in school at the time. So I just yeah. kind of brought my kidness to it. But I knew that uh, the, this kid had a lot of confidence because she was you know, hosting, whatever. So I, I sort of just brought that to the thing and they were so yeah. sweet, but I had to wait for my mom to pick me up. 
So I was sitting mm-hmm. in the casting director's office for like over an hour afterwards. And I remember yeah. sort of just asking all, all these questions. I just sort of, what's it like to be a casting director? And what's, and I have a funny feeling that I was like schmoozing before I knew what schmoozing was. <laughs> and I think yeah. that that's what got me the job because I was just so like in awe of her and everything. She was helpful. She was being pretty cool about answering my questions. So I just kept asking. And I think, uh, yeah. I think that I endeared myself to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, flash forward to years later when you're sitting behind the uh, monitors at Rookie Blue asking questions. Oh so, my God, I it's mean, my MO. I didn't even realize it. Hey, it's kind of <laughs> serving you well there, my friend. I do want to hear about your producing role that you're doing because I know this is a really big deal with uh, Woman Meets Girl that you're yeah. working on. Yeah. Can you tell me just, I want to just know the trajectory of that because I know you're stepping into a new role with producing. So, so talk to me about that. My dear friend, Adria Bud Johnson, she came across a brilliant talent, uh, a woman named Marie Peters, who has been um, writing and acting in Toronto for, for a few years. And so um, Adria met her at one of her, so that she was a graduate of the CFC. So that's where Adria met her and saw her work and thought, oh my God, you're brilliant. And they started talking about a piece so Woman Meets Girl came up, Adria asked me to act in it because Adria is producing. And I said, hey, I would love to, but I'm curious about producing. Would you be cool with me joining you? And she was like, I would love the help because she has mm-hmm. a whole going on. So that's how that came about. And I've been learning so much. It's a lot of work, but it's been great. Right. Yeah, it's been great. We've been crowdfunding. Uh, we shot last year, but we had to shut down because of COVID. So we, we did a crowdfund right. to be able to shoot the rest of the film. And we raised more than, well, not more than we, we raised the budget for production we raised for uh film festivals we raised for post-production so we're so ecstatic that we're we're what's what's something that you didn't know about producing that you learned in this process so far that a lot of it is managing people you know my my thought was like about raising money i like originally thought it was about raising money and like booking lights and and all of that is true, but it's actually uh, like a personality job. There's actually mm-hmm. a lot of fires to put out and and um, ways to sort of communicate. It's, communication is mm-hmm. a big part of it. I just try and be as honest and upfront and friendly as possible. But you, yeah. you got to put the smack down. You got to put the smack down. Well, <laughs> I mean, smack down from you, I think would be like, I think she thinks that she was smacking down, but that felt kind of like a hug. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. What's the next thing for you? I am currently auditioning like a mad woman. So we will see if anything comes to fruition. Um, and I've also got uh, a writing project that fingers crossed will find uh, a home right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it'll be a book adaptation, but I'm not going to. I will stay quiet about it. I get it. it happen, I get so. it. How are you juggling that though? Like, cause now you've got two fires burning. You've got your writing fire and your acting fire. So, you know, at some point, somebody's going to ask you to choose a fire. Oh my God. The, the, the point has come. It's hard right now because it, I'm in transition and I want to be able to do both. So yeah. something has to give, I don't know what, but maybe there's a world in which it all happens at the same time. I don't know if that's possible, but I might have to take a backseat. Acting might have to take a backseat for a minute or two. And 
I don't know. Take a page out of Danny Kine's book and she just goes, just do it all. Just do it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to need a couple of assistants. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I, I need them already. I needed them five years ago. <laughs> and that's what I always ask for Christmas. An assistant. <laughs> yeah. Because it's amazing what doesn't get done. Like, it's like, oh, I got to go to the dentist. I haven't booked an appointment to the dentist. You know, just things like that. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Anuka. We do a turn the tables and you can ask me a question and then I'll do some wrap up questions. Okay. I have a question for you that someone asked me <laughs> the other day. If you were in the Star Wars universe. Uh-huh. Great. I always love, already love this question. What color would your lightsaber be? Okay. First of all, what character were you? You did a, like a Star Wars video game, didn't you? I am still doing it. I recorded yesterday for um, an installment. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's called Star Wars The Old Republic. And uh, it's, I'm a, play there? I'm a Jedi. Oh, whatever. I mean, that's not something a lot of people can say. Uh, what did you do today? Oh, I was just, I was just a Jedi. Um, what color would my lightsaber be? I mean, I would say, oh, yeah. Do okay, you know what? the meanings, like the different, what they're all? Oh, now you're challenging my Star Wars. See, knowledge. I didn't know. So they, no, I, don't. I didn't know. I didn't know either. But I, okay, so okay. I can tell you that they, they mean different things. So Jedis are usually blue or green. And uh-huh. like righteousness, bravery, uh, red is like this darkness, evil, like the Sith usually have. <laughs> can't speak of that. Yes. Black is like, uh, that was by the first like Mandalorian and it's a symbol of leadership. But the only way to uh-huh. get it is to defeat the previous leader. So you got to think about that. Love it. White is a proof of the mastery of the force. I chose purple. Because purple is a little bit of a mix. It's a bit, it's moral ambiguity. It's a bit of red and it's a bit of blue. I like that. I, my, my vision when you asked me before I knew what all of the meanings were was like red into yellow. Oh, I love it. So that it would be like, so, uh, but again, a little bit of everything because we like a buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love Yeah, so I'm a little bit evil. <laughs> at the bottom but then at the top so so brave yes so highly exactly exactly that's probably about right yeah (laughs) I mean maybe we'll have to we'll get some feedback on that people are like I know all right let me do my wrap-up questions and uh this has been just a treat and a half I don't want to say goodbye but here we go fill in the blank to me a firecracker is a go-getter a spark starter and uh and someone who burns uh long like has longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to be best known for? What's important to me and imperative to me is that I'm honest with people. I don't think but. that's unrelated to career. I think that the way you have your career will be what you're known for. Not your, maybe not your actual roles, but the way you conduct your career. Yeah. I think like it's a, as a person, it's important to yeah. me. I'm a straight shooter and that people like know what they're getting when I'm in front of them and and I also mm-hmm. kind of want my characters to be that as well. So I guess it kind of all, it all goes together. <laughs> I like that. Um, if your life was a movie and this is like one of the final scenes, the credits are about to roll. What in your life was a turning point? Like a climactic turning point where everything changed forever? Oh, wow. Um, well, it's weird. Cause I want to say meeting my husband and deciding to go on this life journey with him. What's he like? 
he is a very, very hard worker as well. And he's a very generous, loving, open person. And mm-hmm. like, you know, he's, <laughs> he gets calls from my parents going, my, I don't know why my Fitbit's not working. And he'll spend an hour <laughs> with my mom trying to figure out whatever's going on wrong with his computer, her computer, my dad's TV or something. Like he's just really helpful. And yeah, and he's, uh, and he's incredibly artistic and he's just, he's got too many talents when it comes down to it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a great, uh, like, creative partner as well as as a good friend (laughs) yeah what's something that people don't know about you I can't whistle (laughs) (laughs) I love that it's uh it's all right it's frustrating my mom too late to learn uh, I don't know I've tried I've tried my mom is a (laughs) world-class she's amazing I can't I can't I've tried oh my gosh so what makes you feel powerful it's the four pillars if I can if I if I've ever done them at the same time which is drink lots of water get lots of sleep exercise and what's the and eating and eating well like if I can actually do those four things I feel like a fucking superstar (laughs) but yeah I love it it. it's it's like I'll get two happening three it's very rare that I get four (laughs) yeah I love it. Water, water alone. I just, sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, why is my head hurting so much? Oh, cause you've had no water, Naomi, none. I know it's so simple. Yeah, it's yeah. so simple. And they've been telling us this since the beginning of time. It's not a new trend. It's not new. And it's not that hard, but it seems really hard. <laughs> I know. What has been your, the best piece of advice or the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice that I didn't take uh, was from Ellie Harvey. <laughs> love Ellie Harvey she the best I remember when I was uh getting set to move to LA and Ellie called me and said I just want you to know that as a woman in their in her 30s it's it may not be what it's like for you here down there and I was like, oh my God, Ellie, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for your advice. <laughs> but um, I'm a different person, like whatever it is. <laughs> like, I was just like full on like, oh my God, that's not going to be my experience. Right. It was my experience. <laughs> she was yeah. right. And there were so many times I've been like, oh my God, if I'd only listened to her. Well, in terms well what did that change? Just in terms of doing extra doing more, Mm -hmm. doing, you know, trying to create my own work earlier, whatever the case may be, but not walking in Mm -hmm. thinking that the career I have in Canada is going to be the career I have in the States, just being a little bit more prepared and and trying to to do whatever I needed to instead of just show up. So yeah, so that's the God bless her, love her. And I hope she's well. I love Ellie Harvey. Oh my gosh, I'm such a fan. Uh, all right, who is a firecracker in your world? I mean, you're so you've dropped so many great names in this discussion, but is there somebody you want to shine a light on? Um, I do, and it's a woman I've lost touch with. It's Carol Tarlington, and she ran the Vancouver Youth Theater for many years. She yeah. started Pacific Artists, which was called Tarlington Talent at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she is the only reason I am in this career. Yeah, I was in high school and I was doing um, theater competitions as you do in high school. It's like the one act plays of Delta. And she was giving a workshop in the, you know, the, the students got to go and do these workshops after they performed in this festival. Mm-hmm. 
And she saw my play the night before, and I was in her workshop the day after. And she said, I run a children's agency, but I also have a youth theater. I'd love for you to join my agency, but you do need to join the theater if you're going to be in the agency. So brought my parents and we had a meeting with her and, and that's, she was my first agent. And she pulled me out of this whole group of kids and I went for it. And I don't know, like I was a pretty shy kid. So I don't know if I would have been doing this. If Mm -hmm. someone hadn't said, you can do this. I'd like you to do this with me. Yeah. Yeah. It was your big break. Hey it kid, you're going to go to the, yeah. the movies. Yeah. I love those. I love the stories of the people that, that just go, Hey, you've got something to keep going on. Yeah. I would have watched from afar. If it, if it wasn't yeah. for her, I would have always dreamed it wouldn't it be nice to, but she made it. I can't real. imagine you doing anything else other than being an artist. I know. I think I would have done something like interior design or <laughs> I would have yeah, done something, something artistic, with the arts, artistic. but yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, my final question is advice, advice you would have given a younger Anuka. Oh yeah. I think I would have not gone out and partied as much. I think I would have spent a little <laughs> bit more time. Hey Anuka, why don't, Hey, you, you optioned that script from Northy. Why don't you actually work on it? <laughs> <laughs> As it's the buckle down that I have now I, that oh. I did not have. And if only I'd had it then, I think things could have gone in a different direction. So buckle down. If you had buckled down then, then now you've been like, oh, now it's the time to party. And it's way better to do that. Yeah, the partying is destined at any point. So like, <laughs> that's right. That's got right. it out of the way. I got and it who out knows? of the way. I bet if you called Northy, you'd be like, hey, can I still have that option? You'd be like, yeah, yeah. So the fish hasn't been fried. You would actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever road you're on right now, I feel like it's just uh, the right one. And I just watched what you're doing. I think you're, you're approaching things with such beauty and grace and talent and intelligence, but also with like awareness of your community. And I just love that so much. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, if yeah. I get to shout out another firecracker, it's going to be you. Oh, for uh, goodness uh, sake. Uh, listen, you are, you are shining a light on a whole bunch of women who are trying to do this thing that we do. And so you've been very helpful in raising other people up. And that's a, that's a firecracker if I ever saw one. So well, we all just, just got to keep going. You know, nobody needs to be told how to do something or what to do. They just need to say, just keep going. Like whatever you're doing, just keep going. So yeah, thank you so much for this time and for your thoughts and for everything. It's really been a a treat chatting with you. Thank you for having me. This is part one. We're going to do this. Yeah, I love it. So grateful, so grateful to have spent this time with Anuka. It's a pleasure to have these kind of one-on-one chats with artists that you respect so much. I'll also say like, you know what Anuka said about Uh, leadership and people management it just resonates with me I think there's such an art to being a good leader and people manager and when I look at how Anuka is sort of moving through life and with her career and as a writer and an actor and a producer I'm just really inspired I just want to follow along for the Anuka ride it looks real fun now for the latest updates follow Anuka on Instagram at Anuka Okuma official all one word, or on Twitter at Anuka Okuma, or visit her website, anukaokuma.com. Now for Workin' Moms, follow the show at Workin' Moms, at Workin' Moms, 
and at Working Moms Netflix. And for Woman Meets Girl, follow this short film that Anuka stars in and produces at WMG Film. And here's more. You can even watch Anuka in Are You My Mommy, which was written and produced by the wonderful Paula Jean Hickson, an alum of Firecracker Department. And you can catch it now on Real Women's Network at realwomensnetwork.com. And of course, we got you. We got you with all this information. It's going to be in our show notes. So just head on over there for all the links. For all the inside scoop on everything that's going on in the firecracker department, you're going to go over to our website that is being updated as we speak by the beautiful and fantastic and oh my gosh, multi-talented Alyssa Abler, firecrackerdepartment.com. And if you haven't done it already, you're going to subscribe to our newsletter and that's going to keep you in the know, you know, because there's a lot going on in firecracker department world. And I want you to keep in touch with all the upcoming events. We have so much planned. I mean, it's so cool because we could actually see our whole year. We're not just trying to keep up month to month. We actually have two events planned for every month. Really, something for everyone. Yeah, like what do you want? A mentorship panel? Yeah, we're going to do that. Well, what do you want? Do you want like a wellness meditation event? Yeah, we're going to do that too. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to do some writing and some workshops with writers? Okay, well, that's coming up too. See, it's all coming up and it's just for you. So come and join us. Pull up a chair at the Firecracker Department. Join us for any of our events, script readings, writing bursts, brunches, just to name a few, and uh, join in the firecracker fun. We'd love to have you. I'm Naomi Sneekus. Thank you for joining us. There's a lot of things you can listen to, and we sure appreciate you listening to Firecracker Department. Now go on out there, get creative, take some creative action, and then let me know what you did. Share your creative action with me at Firecracker D-E-P-T on our socials. Thanks again for listening. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right, she's a triple W. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Now, whether you're a first time or a long time listener to the Firecracker Department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world, that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you, yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.